Factors delicious, ready-to-eat meals make eating better every day easy. Wherever tomorrow takes you, be ready with pre-prepared, chef-crafted, and dietitian approved meals delivered right to your door. You'll have over 35 different options a week to choose from, including keto, calorie smart, vegan, and veggie, and more. And there's even more to enjoy with over 55 nutrition-packed add-ons that help make your weekly meal planning even more delicious. What are you guys waiting for? Get started today and have a feel-good week of meals ready to go. The options are endless with Factor. Two-minute meals. Fill up fast with Factor's restaurant-quality meals that are ready to heat and eat whenever you are. How about some snacks, some smoothies, and more? Discover a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites, and more. Sign up and save. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Factor is also the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, upscale options done easily. And you guys can be very flexible with your schedule. Get as much or as little as you need by choosing 6 to 18 meals per week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. And the most important part, there's no prep. No mess. Factor meals are 100% ready to heat and eat. So there's no prepping. There's no cooking or cleanup that is needed. If that sounds great to you guys, head to factormeals.com slash script 50 and use code script 50 to get 50% off. That's code script 50 at factormeals.com slash script 50 to get 50% off. Successful. Why is Tony Khan running his promotion better than Vince McMahon and Bruce Pritchard are running Monday night and Friday night? Long term booking. What is going on, guys? Thank you so very much for joining me right here on Off The Script. This is your Monday Night Raw post show for August 15th, 2022. I'm JD from New York. He's always coming to you live from the OTS Beer Garden. Thank you so very much for joining me on your Monday evenings, wherever you may be, man. Monday Night Raw. I see a lot of people with uh, differing opinions, which is fine, man. It is fine if you have a different opinion compared to mine. It is okay if my opinion is different than yours. The show was very good tonight. I think we as fans expect too much too soon. We all have to adjust. We all have to get used to the way things are being done We all have to curb our expectations on a week-to-week basis. I've said this once, and I'm going to say it again. Triple H is not going to give you the entire vault from the word go. He's not going to give you everything you want on day one. It's not going to happen in week one. It's not going to happen in week two, three, four, five, six. It's going to be a gradual process. Patience is key. The show was good tonight. 
It was. There was pay-per-view level wrestling on tonight's show. Lots of great wrestling tonight. And that is one major change that we're seeing in the Triple H era. Lots of wrestling. It actually makes for a better Monday Night Raw. Believe it or not, they shied away from pro wrestling for so fucking long. The wrestling aspect of the show the last three weeks has made the show flow beautifully. Triple H knows that booking three hours of Raw every fucking week is not going to work by booking 20 fucking matches that are three minutes long. He says, I got a great fucking roster. We got a lot of great professional wrestlers in this company. I'm going to send these guys and these girls out there to go do what they fucking came here to do, and that is professionally wrestle. We got a lot of great wrestling tonight. Don't mix my words up. Great show, lots of great wrestling, okay? We got the youth movement in place. We got Austin Theory in the main event getting a big win over Dolph Ziggler. No matter what you think or how you feel about Dolph Ziggler, Dolph Ziggler is still one of the very best in-ring performers that the WWE has. He could do anything in that ring and go with anybody in the ring. I would bank on anybody in the world, Dolph Ziggler. So let's start putting some respect on Dolph Ziggler's ability. Everybody knows he's a great wrestler. We've known that for years. Is he where he should be? No, he should be a lot better off because Vince McMahon treated him like a jobber, so the fans look at him as a jobber. But Austin Theory got a big win tonight in the main event. Austin Theory was pretty much winless in the Vince McMahon era, holding that briefcase. Triple H, just by him winning with the fucking briefcase, is making a statement. Austin Theory can win matches while still being Mr. Money in the Bank. That is a statement, little statement, but a statement nonetheless made by Triple H because Vince McMahon doesn't do that all that often. So we got the youth movement in the main event winning after he hadn't won a match. He's lost his last seven or eight matches. So that is a statement in itself. Bobby Lashley and the United States Championship once again a major focus on this show when there is no world championship on this show. Bobby Lashley is looking great on Monday night, defending that title with honor. We got a great video package, again, narrated by Corey Graves for the United States Championship, highlighting AJ Styles and Bobby Lashley and the United States title, how important the United States Championship is. It's beautiful. I said to myself, we wouldn't have seen that. We haven't seen nothing like that in the Vince McMahon era. Forget about it. Never mind in the Vince McMahon era. We never seen it, period. As long as Vince McMahon was there running the show, we never saw anything like that on tonight's broadcast. Great match. They went 23 minutes. So why was Red Skies? I usually play Red Skies. Dr. Disrespect Red Skies when I don't like something in the intro of the podcast. Why did I play Red Skies tonight? Why did I give off a vibe that I did not like the show? I didn't say I didn't like the show. It wasn't as exciting as it was in week one and week two. That's all I'm saying. Everybody's expecting this guy to come back and that one to come back and WWE to bring back somebody else that Vince McMahon fired. We've seen Dexter Loomis and Karrion Cross and Dakota Kai and we've seen, you know, all these people come back, right? Everybody's mentioning, oh, Leo Rush is coming back today. He's the next name. 
Leo Rush is coming back to the WWE. People want Bray Wyatt back in the WWE. People want this one and that one. I get it. I get it. I think everybody kind of is expecting someone else to return. Hit Row showed up on Friday. I think everybody is expecting somebody else to come back on a weekly basis. It's not what Triple H is here to do. He's going to gradually roll out people with returns. It's not going to stop. I believe the report. It's not going to stop. But he's going to roll out returns when they make sense. All I'm saying is that we got what we got for the last two weeks, and when we see somewhat of a normal show, people are kind of let down. But they're not let down because it's bad. They're let down because they expected something and they materialized something in their head that probably was never going to happen anyway. It wasn't a bad show. It was a very good show. But main eventing with Austin Theory and Dolph Ziggler, I don't think it really sat well with a lot of people, and that's why people are saying, eh, it's a lame ending. Or it wasn't as good of a show as compared to the last two weeks. I think the ending kind of threw people off, and the ending is making people scratch their head. I do agree it was lame. I do agree that that ending and that match in the main event is lame. I don't know why they didn't put AJ Styles and Bobby Lashley in the main event. I don't know why. The United States Championship, that would have been a great way. Bobby Lashley won. The babyface won. At the end of that match, they were both babyfaces. But Bobby Lashley retained the United States Championship, sent the crown home happy at the end of that match. I don't know why that wasn't in the main event and why you didn't do Dolph Ziggler and Austin Theory at the 10 o'clock hour where Bobby Lashley and AJ Styles were. Or maybe I do know. Everybody on my timeline was talking about Better Call Saul tonight. Everybody was watching Better Call Saul. Everybody was watching the Mets-Braves game, which was a blowout by the fifth inning, so I don't even think that had anything to do with it. The Braves won 13-1, to by the way. Nice to get a victory after I lost fucking four games last series. So that didn't have anything to do with it, but I'm predicting that Better Call Saul was a big deal tonight. From 9 to 10, the season finale, or the series finale, actually. Maybe that had something to do with it. They wanted to throw on Bobby Lashley and AJ Styles right as that came to its conclusion so that when you flip back over to Monday Night Raw, you stayed in that third hour. If somebody saw Bobby Lashley and AJ Styles for the United States Championship, I'd think, hey, it's a first-time match. I'm going to sit down and watch this thing. Now, if you saw Dolph Ziggler and Austin Theory at the 10 o'clock hour, you're not going to be as interested to sit down and watch it. So I'm predicting that Better Call Saul, the series finale, had a lot to do with why Bobby Lashley and AJ Styles went right on at 10 p.m. and did not close the show. I could be wrong. Maybe it is the reason, and we find out that Meltzer and Alvarez said the same thing on Tuesday morning when they covered Monday Night Raw. But I think that's the reason why. But yes, Austin Theory getting a big win. Yes, Austin Theory is the future. The youngster getting a big win in the main event. Yes. Triple H is going to be all in on the future of the company. We know that. But I think if they flipped those two matches, and I think if they put on the United States Championship to close the show in an epic main event, I think everybody's perception at the end of the show would have been a little bit different. That's just my honest opinion. So it was a very good show. I, I just think that we all need to curb our excitement just a little bit. Now, next week, they go into Toronto. Next week, they go into Toronto. 
It's going to be a big show. Edge is wrestling on Monday Night Raw, which is rarely ever done. He's going to be on the show. Kevin Owens, I'm assuming, is going to have a major role in the show. Both Canadians. It's going to be a big deal. Maybe we see a return. Maybe we see a return next week. Maybe we see something happen next week. Maybe we get even more of a continuation with Dexter Loomis, who was also on the show tonight. They really amped it up tonight with him more aggressively taking him down. He absolutely fucking got blasted by the security guards tonight. Almost took out the commentary team while he was at it. But I'm enjoying what they're doing with Dexter Loomis. And we'll go over why. They did something that I really, really, really enjoyed. And was mostly on the commentaries end about Dexter Loomis. We also got the women's tag team title tournament continuing. EO Sky and Dakota Kai now have opponents in the semifinals. Asuka and Alexa Bliss. They advanced over Nikki. Yeah, uh, what's her name? I keep forgetting every week, man. What's her name? Trash. Trash. Nikki Trash. Yeah, that's right. Nikki Trash. And Doe Drop. So they advance in the semifinals, and they will be in the ring next week on Monday Night Raw from Toronto. And we get EO Sky and Asuka in the same ring. That gets a two thumbs up from me, let me tell you. It was a good show. It was a good show. I just think that if they switched things differently, things would have been a little better. It would have been perceived a little bit better. And also, I can't forget, we're going to talk about it, man. Kevin Owens and Drew McIntyre and that incredible promo tonight. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. What a promo segment by Kevin Owens. You know, Kevin Owens is a big, big Triple H guy. I wonder what they're going to do when that world title gets back on Monday Night Raw. You may be looking at the WWE Champion sometime in 2023. Anybody smell a Cody Rhodes versus Kevin Owens storyline in 2023? I know. I smell it. It's coming. Anyway, guys, I appreciate you joining. We got 2,600 people in here. Holy shit, man. I'm not even fucking looking at the chat. We got 2,600 people in here, man. Thank you very much for joining me on Monday night, man. This is off the scripts. Hit that thumbs up. First and foremost, man, hit that thumbs up. We got 2,600 people in. I need 1,000 minimum. I'm not even asking for much. A thousand minimum. Hit that thumbs up, man. A thousand likes. Get those super chats in. We'll hang out at the end of the show. We're going to hang out without cold beverages. Talk about Monday Night Raw. You guys can ask me anything you want. Go over the news of the day. Anything you want, man. Super chats are open. Get them on in. Join the VIP club, man. The VIP club is rocking and rolling. We had 13 new members last night during OTS 440. Channel memberships are now 50% off for the month of August, man. You're going to have to sign up. If you're thinking about it, now's the best time. 50% off. Instead of $4.99, it's $2.49. So sign up. You guys get access to the Discord. You guys get those emotes. You guys get those badges. And you get VIP Sundays when we go live for Off the Script. Follow me on social media, at JD from NY206. That's Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. And Cameo. Shout out to everybody on Cameo, man. We are killing it on Cameo. You guys are the best. Some of you are weird, but you guys are the best. Go check out OTS 440 and everything else that you might have missed last week on the homepage right now. If 
if you want more great content, I even did an extra today where we talk about the proposed burial of Gunther that was coming. Vince McMahon wanted to bury Gunther after 4th of July. I talk about it and I rant about it big time. So go check that out on today's extra. And tonight's show is sponsored by my great friends over at BlueChew, BlueChew.com, code JD at checkout. You guys want to feel good about yourself, man. You want to make a good first impression and a great lasting impression. BlueChew is where it's at, BlueChew.com, code JD at checkout for your absolutely free sample. All you have to do is pay the $5 shipping and handling, man. Let's get into Monday Night Raw. Man, I love that song. I don't even know who does it, but I love it. Monday Night Raw, man, we started off with Judgment Day. Judgment Day started Monday Night Raw. They made their ring entrance, and it's so great to hear the other side. Listen, man, I'm an Alter Bridge mark, okay? I love Alter Bridge. And the other side always makes me smile. When I hear Alter Bridge on Monday Night Raw, I love it. And we're going to get it twice next week. We're going to get the other side played for Damian Priest, and we're going to get Metalingus played for Edge. Love it. Anytime Miles Kennedy's voice is heard, it's a good night. Judgment Day made them their way to the ring, and we saw this split screen as they were making their entrance about the highlights of Rhea owning Dominic and Rey Mysterio getting his ass beaten by the Judgment Day. So Rhea Ripley, she stood in between Damian Priest and Finn Balor. Rhea Ripley's looking more like the leader of Judgment Day than Balor and Damian Priest. Just throwing that out there. So Rhea Ripley standing in between both guys. She said they run raw, and that's been a harsh reality for the Mysterio family. She said she proved Dominic, or to Dominic, that she really is his poppy. So she's throwing it in his face. And she destroyed his soul, she said. Now, I don't know about that. People are making memes out of it online, man. You know, there would be a lot of people to line up to be where Dominic Mysterio was the last two weeks, where he was, I believe, in some very, uh, very, uh, I would say, fortunate situations there with Rhea Ripley. People would pay good money to be where Dominic was, and I got something flying around again. If you see me kill something on the fucking stream, don't mind me, okay? Where was I? People would pay good money to be where Dominic Mysterio was the last two weeks by Rhea Ripley. So, Balor then takes the microphone and says, everyone seems to love the Mysterios, but he doesn't get it. He said the Mysterios would not be there this week because of what they did to them last week. Priest talked about facing Edge next week, but asked the audience if they want to see Edge right now. Fans cheered like the marks that they are. He said it's too bad because he's not here tonight. And I love the bass in Damian Priest's voice. I do. He sounds great. He said Edge will be wrestling his first match on Raw in Toronto in over a decade. He says he doesn't sweat Edge. He said that's why where, well, that's why when he puts the final nail in his coffin, it will be the end of his career. 
He vowed it will be one-on-one without Ripley or Balor. Yeah, we'll see about that. He said Toronto will no longer be known as his hometown, but rather as the place Priest sent him back into retirement. He said retirement won't be filming TV shows or movies. Instead, it'll be Beth wheeling him around and feeding him through a tube the rest of his life. Rey Mysterio then all of a sudden comes out of nowhere and attacks Balor from behind. He cleared the ring of Balor. Ripley walked up to him, and Damian Priest was taken out as well. But Rhea Ripley walked up to him and then was teasing him and egging him on. Punch me. Punch me, she says. Give me your best shot, she says. Balor came from behind after being knocked out of the ring with the steel chair. Ray dropped, kicked the chair into Balor. He fended off Priest with the chair because he picked up the chair. Hit Balor with the chair. Hit Priest with the chair in the back. Ray was eventually overwhelmed by the Judgment Day. Three on one. Fans are chanting, we want edge. Balor delivered a coup de grace off the top rope as the chair laid right across Rey Mysterio's chest. And that was the end of the beatdown. You know, a lot of people, a lot of people were souring on Judgment Day when Edge was kicked out. Why, 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 why? Then we got the report about them being supernatural. And Bruce and Vince wanted them to be supernatural. I know Damian Priest came out there and kind of dumbed down the rumors. It was never in the plans for us to be supernatural, blah, 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 blah. But we saw some of that supernatural element to the group. If you guys remember several weeks ago when Damian Priest wrestled AJ Styles and all of a sudden the match ended when the lights went out and Damian Priest disappeared. So yes, I do believe that Vince and Bruce wanted the supernatural element to the group, but maybe they thought better of it, surprisingly. Maybe they thought better of it. Or maybe somebody in Judgment Day, or maybe it was Edge, who said, no, this shit sucks. We tried it, we gave it a shot, it looked ridiculous. There's no I in team, but there is one in Indeed. And that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because Indeed does the hard work for you. They show you the candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash sports. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash sports. That's Indeed.com slash sports. And support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash sports. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So I do believe that they were about to do some supernatural shit with the group. When Edge was kicked out, I don't think anybody gave them a shot on Monday Night Raw to succeed. Especially when Vince McMahon and Bruce Pritchard were booking the show. Now, three weeks into the to the Triple H era with Vince McMahon gone, three weeks into the Paul Levesque era, I'm going to say this again, and I've been saying this the last two weeks. Judgment Day looked great tonight. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. I can't put my finger on it. I don't know if it's Triple H allowing them to go out there and be relaxed. I don't know if it's 
them getting the opportunity to just be themselves, or if it's Triple H sending them out there with bullet points, not having to remember fucking promos or people writing for them and they sound overly scripted and overly robotic. I don't know what it is, but this is the third week in a row that Triple H has taken over creative and Judgment Day looks, feels, and sounds great. Now, if this continues, we may be looking at one of the best groups in all of WWE. And if they add another member to the group, whoever that may be, we may be in for a treat here. Because I don't think, like I said, people gave them any chance to succeed on Monday night the way that they were going. Balor sounds a little bit more natural. I've been very critical of Rhea Ripley. She still didn't sound great tonight, but she sounded a lot better tonight than she did all the other times I heard her in the Vince McMahon era. Maybe they're owning this character. Maybe they're owning the the vibe of this group a little bit more, and they were not allowed to do that because Vince was so fucking controlling over the entire group. Triple H is giving them the freedom to say, get this shit over. I don't know what Vince was doing here. Get this shit over. I don't know why he paired you three together. Get it over. I don't know why he kicked Edge out. Get it over. I don't know what it is, but it sounds and feels great. And shout out to Damian Priest, man. Damian Priest is doing some great fucking promo work. He really is. He sounds intimidating as I've ever heard him sound. So shout out to all three guys. Uh, all two, uh, Both guys and Rhea Ripley. Awesome. Just awesome stuff. They are finally gelling on Monday Night Raw. And that's what I believe everybody wanted. So good on them. Now what we do with Rey Mysterio and Dominic, I, I don't know. It definitely feels like Dominic is going to end up turning on Rey Mysterio. And if that's the case, I, I, don't really, I don't really care about that. I don't find Dominic being added to the Judgment Day as a, a big deal. I don't. I don't know what they do when Edge finally gets his hands on Finn Balor, who I'm assuming is the leader of this group. I don't know where it's going. In fact, I'm not even going to try and predict where it's going. I like where it's going. I like how it's sounding. I like how it's feeling. But it looks like we're getting Balor versus Edge, possibly, at Clash of the Castle. I can't see Balor being left off that show when that's pretty much uh, his region there. So we'll probably see that in three weeks. But I'm liking where we're going with this. And Judgment Day is looking and feeling great. Asuka. She teamed with Alexa Bliss tonight against Dodrop and Nikki. Fuck, man. What's her name? What is her name? Ash? No, not trash. That's not trash. Nikki trash. She didn't have a fucking cape on. No cape tonight for uh, the, the superhero. Nikki trash. Jesus fucking Christ, Paul. Get rid of this shit. She looks like a fucking geek out there. My goodness, can we get NXT Nikki back, please? You know, the one that has fucking no vocabulary and runs around like the Tasmanian devil. It's the Nikki Ash I want to see. Dodrop. There was a rumor about Dodrop possibly having a name change. This was what I talked about on the extra today. Dodrop may actually be dropping the name. Well, actually, I talked about it on Sunday on OTS 440. She may be dropping the name. She kind of threw hints that she was talking about it with Triple H. 
So maybe this is going to be in the plans. It's not really an overall big deal right now, but when Triple H gets to it, I'm sure it's going to be something that's going to be on on his list of things to do. Because the name is ridiculous. The name is all Vince McMahon, and the name is just fucking god-awful. And it's just a reminder of how awful Vince McMahon's creative was. Piper Niven. I think if Triple H changes the way she is and her overall presentation and a name change that we may actually be all right with her on the main roster. Same thing with Nikki Ash. I don't understand it. That's also a Vince McMahon idea. Oh, but it was Nikki's idea. How many fucking ideas did Nikki Ash throw at Vince McMahon just to get on TV, to be a mainstay in the women's division? They probably had four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten ideas thrown at them, and that's the one that they chose for her. Yeah, we like this one. We like this one because it'll make you the most embarrassing out of all of them. Tag Team Championship Tournament here. I haven't been high on any of these matches so far, but I'm looking forward to the second round. I'll tell you that. That's when the tournament really starts for me next week on Monday Night Raw. We got two bad matches to open this tournament. Two bad matches. Dakota Kai and Io Sky, unfortunately, were in a bad match next uh, last week against... Tamina, and Dana Brooke. And then we got another bad match with Raquel Gonzalez. <laughs> Gonzalez Rodriguez, whatever the fuck her name is, right? She's over there laughing her way to the semifinals on SmackDown, taming with Aaliyah against Shotzi and Zaya Lee. Another bad match. Two bad matches, two stinkers in this tournament. This was easily... The best match. Not saying much. Please don't twist my words around. This is not fucking Undertaker, Shawn Michaels, WrestleMania 25-esque. It was a good match based on what we've seen so far in the tournament. So don't mix my words up. This was easily the best thing in the tournament so far. And that is a very low bar. That is a very low bar. So we got a commercial break. They start, they start the match. We got a commercial break within like 60 seconds. It's tough to really get invested in what's going on when you get five minutes of commercial and then four minutes of fucking match. But Oscar and Bliss knocked their opponents off the apron. And Doe Drop, she went to go squash Bliss between herself and the ring post during a commercial break. But Oscar made a hot tag and gave Nikki a German suplex, going for cover, only getting a two count. Nikki hit a flying crossbody, but Bliss broke up the cover. So Doe Drop. Knocked her down with a running crossbody. Oscar knocked Dodrop down with a back fist, but Dodrop came back just a couple of moments later and hit a nicely done Michinoku driver. Bliss tagged herself in blind, hit Dodrop with a DDT before Oscar tagged back in and hit a code breaker. Bliss knocked out Nikki as Oscar made Dodrop tap out with an arm bar, and that was it. Asuka and Alexa Bliss advance to the semifinals of the women's tag team title tournament. The crowd pop for Asuka submitting Dodrop, but other than that, the crowd did not seem to care in Washington, D.C. tonight, and it's not very difficult to see why. At the end of the match, both ladies walked up the aisle, and Bailey and Io Sky and Dakota Kai were there in the aisleway, giving them a nice golf clap. For a job well done, and that was pretty much it. Officials got in between them before anything physical could happen. 
Now, I don't know if you guys saw Dakota Kai on Instagram. I saw this floating around on Twitter today. Dakota Kai apparently is teasing a possible war game. So maybe she's just playing into the idea of it because, you know, people like me have brought it to everybody's attention. I'm ready for war. Game on. Really now? Quite the choice of words there, Miss Kai. I do think that we end up getting a War Games match on the main roster. I do. I absolutely think we get a War Games match at Survivor Series. That's just me. I'm predicting it. I'm predicting it. There's no reason why NXT needs War. Nobody's watching fucking NXT for War Games. Man, give me a fucking break. We're going to get that on the main roster, and Triple H is going to transform Survivor Series and make Survivor Series great again. And that's a great way to do it. Kevin Patrick interviewed Austin Theory. Austin Theory interviewed backstage, finally. Back on the show since SummerSlam, he's been away. He's not injured, he wasn't hurt, it wasn't creative. Austin Theory was off the show because his uncle passed away. Thoughts and prayers go out to Austin Theory. He's not Austin yet, but he's still Theory. Maybe we get Austin Theory back, I hope so. I hope so. I know Triple H is giving last names back and first names back. He did it with Angel Garza. He did it with Humberto Carrillo. So I'd like to see Austin Theory back. I think in the headlines, Austin Theory instead of Theory is a lot better. That's just me. I know you guys probably think the same thing. So he's there with Kevin Patrick. He's kissing his money in the bank briefcase. Patrick said it was... Less than successful as far as the attempt is concerned to cash in at SummerSlam. Theory says he's still Mr. Money in the Bank and still the youngest United States champion ever and the youngest Mr. Money in the Bank ever and the hand-picked future of the business. They didn't say by who, but the hand-picked future of the business nonetheless. He said he might have made a slight miscalculation, but he doesn't make mistakes. And now he's more dangerous, he's more wiser, he's smarter. Dolph Ziggler all of a sudden walked in and said he has watched Theory get crushed out there. He said he earned his status, which is why it mattered when he cashed in and won the world title. Theory says he loves that for him, but he's nothing but an over-the-hill, no-title-having has-been. He said when he successfully cashes in, he will keep winning and winning and winning. And unlike you, I won't screw up the rest of my career like you did. So we get Ziggler getting angry at this. He attacked Theory, and they did a really nice cutaway to commercial here. And I, whoever produced this segment, that was a great closing to the segment. They were brawling, and all of a sudden, Theory shoves, maybe tackles Ziggler into the camera. Everything goes black, and we go to commercial break. I loved that. I thought that was really fucking cool. So we get back from break, and they showed footage from the commercial break that we we didn't see because we went to commercial, and we see them brawling. Ziggler and Theory are brawling. And they're brawling in the back, and we get a bunch of officials and a bunch of personnel breaking them up. And this was a wild melee in the back. So, all of a sudden, we start to see them brawl. 
and I see this thing, this picture, trending online in regards to Monday Night Raw. I wish I had seen this and put it into the stream, but I, I didn't. And maybe you guys saw it as well. When they were brawling, there looked to be a security door, fire, a fire door, a fire exit. All of a sudden, we saw them brawling, and we see this hand open the door, and we see a hand just put his hand on the door. Whoever this mystery person is, put his hand on the door and basically hold the door open, showing his hand. It was like a black sleeve with a glove. It looked like to me, it looked like to me, very similar to Bray Wyatt or The Fiend's hand. Now, maybe I was seeing things. All of a sudden, we get this hand. People are making Bray Wyatt out to be this mystery person. I said, it can't be Bray Wyatt. It looks more like it could be Dexter Loomis. Because there was a situation in the back where the officials were putting out a burning trash can. Hopefully, the 24-7 title was in there. Putting out a burning trash can, spraying a fire extinguisher backstage. I'm assuming that Dexter Loomis had gotten backstage and he was causing havoc again. So this mystery hand seemingly was there in frame, and I think it definitely played into the overall aspect of Dexter Loomis. So if you guys mention, if you guys see anybody mentioning this hand, it's not Bray Wyatt. They're not going to tease Bray Wyatt in a segment with Austin Theory and Dolph Ziggler. I think it's Dexter Loomis. So this was done by design, and they want to get people talking, and this is what Triple H really is known for when he takes control of long-term booking. So I'm very intrigued by what Dexter Loomis is going to be doing on Monday Night Raw. And we did see Dexter Loomis tonight, which we'll get into in a little bit. They threw a video package on screen on the Bobby Lashley and Tommaso Ciampa match last week. We did mention it in the beginning of the show that they did a Bobby Lashley, AJ Styles video package as well for tonight. Tremendous stuff. Tremendous stuff. That's the shit. I want to see on the show. It's Bobby Lashley holding the United States Championship right now. Basically, that is your world championship until we get the actual world championship back on Monday Night Raw. So I'm loving that, and I'm loving the importance they're bringing to the United States title. And they did the same thing with Gunther on Friday with the Intercontinental title in his match with Shinsuke Nakamura. Sarah Schreiber. She interviewed Tommaso Ciampa and The Miz. Champa said he came to Raw to become a champion. He said they don't hand out participation awards around here. So he lost, and he's got to fight his way back. He said the next chance he gets, though, he'll win a title. Miz complained that AJ Styles was gifted a title match for interfering in Champa's match last week. Miz presented Champa with a necklace. It was a bedazzled frame and in the frame was a photo of The Miz comforting Champa in the ring. So he's still mocking Logan Paul carrying around an $8 million Pokemon card around his neck when he came out in his first wrestling match in WWE at WrestleMania. So Champa smiled and he said, this is awesome. And Miz yelled, no, we are awesome. You know, I love that Champa is on TV. I really do. And I don't want to take anything away from him because he's one of my favorite guys there. And 
him and Johnny were literally everything to me in NXT. Johnny Gargano. Him and Champa were everything to me in NXT. But I just get a sense that Champa almost doesn't believe in what he's doing with the Miz. You, you, you just look at Champa and he's waiting to break away. He's ready to break out on his own. You know, he's ready to be psycho killer, Tommaso Ciampa. It really does feel forced. Now, when they're in the ring together, it's fine because Ciampa's Ciampa and the Miz is the Miz. Now, I don't want to say that, you know, they're not doing good work, but I do feel like it's very forced and we need to break Ciampa away from the Miz immediately. I don't know how we do it. I don't know when it's coming. I don't know what Triple H has up his sleeve. I don't know if it includes Johnny Gargano. But we need to get Tommaso Ciampa away from the Miz. Really. It's not doing me any good. So we got Ciampa and the Miz teaming up against Cedric Alexander and Mustafa Ali. This is seemingly two former mainstays on 205 Live. So there you go. Statement right there. A statement right there by Triple H. It may not be as big of a statement as Hit Row or Karrion Cross or Scarlet or anything else that Triple H has done so far. But a statement nonetheless. Cedric Alexander was in a tag team with Shelton Benjamin. Seemingly, he's broken them up. Vince McMahon didn't give a shit about Shelton Benjamin and Cedric Alexander. He continued to put them out there. Continued to think that, that the Hurt Business was together. Here Triple H is saying, you know what? We're not doing this fucking Hurt Business shit anymore. Even though it was one of the most requested things that Triple H bring back. I don't think Bobby Lashley needs the Hurt Business anymore. Bobby Lashley is very well off on his own. But Cedric Alexander and Shelton Benjamin, they were a tag team for absolutely no reason. No reason whatsoever. So Triple H tonight put two 205 live mainstays together. And Mustafa Ali is one of the most exciting aspects of the Triple H era. What is Triple H going to do with him to rebuild him, to resuscitate his career? Is he going to do the same thing with Cedric Alexander? This could be a good tag team if they want to stick together. A very good tag team, a very good and very over babyface team if they give them some legs to get over on Monday Night Raw. And that's exactly what we need. They got history together. They come from the same background right on 205 Live. Could be a good pairing. We'll see what happens. Or maybe it's just a one-off, and I'm kind of looking a little deep into this thing, and there's nothing really there. This wasn't a bad match either. This was very good. Went about 10 minutes. If this was Triple H, or if this was Vince, rather, instead of Triple H, this, this match would have probably went four minutes, three minutes. But decent little match here. So we got Champa and Miz winning, and it was all... About Miz and Champa continuing their partnership, which I said is very forced. So we got a commercial break. We're back from break. Champa is still in control of Cedric. They're dominating the match. Cedric made a comeback. Both Cedric and Champa tagged out. Ali comes in, hot tag, rallied against the Miz and scored an early two count. Cedric tagged back in, hit a nice Michinuku driver for a near fall. Champa placed Miz's leg over the bottom rope to stop the count. Ali dove at Champa and knocked him over the announce desk, which was a common theme tonight. Cedric went for a sunset flip. Miz sat down on it. 
Ali shoved Miz, giving Cedric a roll-up for a near fall. So Ali caught Miz with a super kick, did not realize that Champa was blind tagged in. Ali went up top. He was in the middle of a 450 splash. Champa ran and basement drop kicked him in midair as he was coming down with the 450 splash. It looked fucking great. He picked up Ali, went for the fairy tale ending, his finish, and that was it. Who would have thought Miz was in a very good work rate match? He was easily the worst wrestler in this match, but it was a good work rate match. Miz actually came up with a bloody nose. So he got the uh, the feel of being in there with actual professional wrestlers. So Miz and Champa get the victory here. Good use of Ali and Cedric. Like I said, I wonder if they're going to continue being a tag team or if this was just another match to showcase the real ability of Cedric Alexander and Mustafa Ali. And no matter what, if it's a one-off or a tag team, they got in there with one of the very best in Champa and a veteran like The Miz, and they owned it again. This is Ali's second time out there where he owned it, and Cedric looked good as well. Cedric, he did take a nasty bump on the outside. Looked like his knee might have buckled on the outside. Looked very scary, but uh, hopefully he's all right. Good match. Good tag team match with Champa and The Miz getting the victory over Cedric and Ali. The announcers move to talking about Kevin Owens and Kevin Owens attacking Ezekiel and taking out Ezekiel last week with him being stretchered and brought to the hospital. Not the medical facility, the hospital. So Jimmy Smith mentioned on commentary, it will take a long time for Ezekiel to recover. I don't know what that means. I don't know if they're writing him off or if they do plan on Ezekiel coming back to television. I hope not. I hope we never see Ezekiel again. So we go to this picture-in-picture where Ezekiel is laying in a hospital bed and they photoshopped all of Ezekiel's family in there. And this was basically Elias in four or five different costumes. So... They had this picture-in-picture with somebody who was, I guess, his father. It was basically Ezekiel playing his father. So his father's name was Ernie Jr. This was basically, like I said, Ezekiel in a gray wig and a gray beard with an old man sweater on. Ernie Jr., Ezekiel's dad, vowed that KO will get a piece of his mind. So Ernie Jr. was basically Ezekiel, made to look old. They showed the family visiting Ezekiel in the hospital, including his mom and dad, Elias, and it looked like Elroy was in the picture as well. It looks like they're continuing this bullshit with Ezekiel, and I wonder if Ernie Jr. is going to come out next week in Toronto and confront Kevin Owens, and he's going to stun Ernie Jr. in Toronto putting the entire fucking family in the hospital. I don't know. But what we saw tonight, I think Kevin Owens is well past this Ezekiel bullshit. Well past this comedy garbage. Drew McIntyre. Smackdown guy on Raw. At least he's got a reason for being there. They made it seem like he had a reason to be there. Roman Reigns is not showing up. He's the WWE champion. This is his belt. This is his show. 
He doesn't want to work Monday nights. Drew McIntyre said, you know what? It's my day off, and I'm going to go do something that our champion, who's supposed to be here because he's the WWE champion, I'm going to do something our champion refuses to do, come to work. So at least they made sense of him being there. Drew McIntyre's in the ring. Said it's a shock to see him on Monday Night Raw, so he's technically a part of SmackDown. But he said it'd be more shocking to see the other guy, meaning Roman, show up at all. He said he'd like to rectify that in three weeks at Clash of the Castle. He said he's going to drop Roman's ass on his island and take the titles and then show up on Raw and SmackDown and live events and everything in between as your champion. He said that's what the fans deserve and that's what the title deserves. And he's getting very animated, very intense here by Drew McIntyre. He said there are some reports floating around out there that he's suffering from a bit of a back injury. He says it's true. Now, I read a report where McIntyre was actually pulled off this weekend's, this past weekend's live event circuit because of this back injury. This is not the first time we've heard about this back injury. He was out earlier in the year as well with this same back injury. So I hope that he is all right and we don't get this back injury playing into WWE, maybe making changes creatively to what could potentially happen at Clash of the Castle. So at least they know it now three weeks ahead of time, and that's more than enough time to gauge if McIntyre is going to be all right to potentially go into Clash, win the title, and then continue holding the championships. So I don't know how bad this back injury is, but he was out there wrestling Kevin Owens in what I thought was the best match of the night. So he must be all right. So he says, yes, the reports of the back injury are indeed true. And mostly because he's been carrying the load of 20 men for three years in WWE and outside the ring. Meaning that he was on SmackDown carrying the the show and the load of the show on his back because Roman Reigns refuses to show up. And Brock Lesnar's part-time, and there really isn't anybody else on his level on SmackDown. So he's carrying the load of 20 men on Friday night. He says, this isn't a job. This is my dream, and I do it with a smile on my face. He said, that's why he's there on his day off. He says he's there scouting future challengers for his world championship after he beats Reigns at Clash. He brought up Champa as a possible challenger. He brought up AJ Styles as a possible challenger. Karrion Cross as a possible challenger. Seth freaking Rollins as a possible challenger. And then all of a sudden, he was interrupted by Kevin Owens. And then Drew McIntyre says, and this man, Kevin Owens. I like the sound of that match as well for a future challenger to the world title. KO said, Oh, yeah, how convenient that you mention my name now that I'm out here. Gotta love KO. He said there is one thing he's never figured out about, Drew. He says he always comes out and claims to be something he's not and talks with a big, loud, almost comical tough guy voice. Sometimes he wears a kilt and sometimes he wields a sword. He says if he thinks he's been carrying anybody's weight around here, he's a big dumbass. This isn't medieval times, he says. That line I liked. Medieval times is a good fucking time, I'll tell you. 
KL says he's been known, or he has known who he is his entire career, and I'm as real as it gets in this business. So the last few years, people like Drew might have forgotten about what he's about. So the last few years, he's been having a good time at work, and then something dawned on him earlier in the day when he arrived in the arena. He said he realized this is the same arena where Battleground was, where he and Sami Zayn had the fight of their lives and left it all in the ring. He said they had a match people are still talking about six years later. He said that made him realize as he misses that side of himself. So they're going back six years. They're giving you a narrative in Kevin Owens' story on what we've seen of him, which was a fucking joke under Vince McMahon. How many Kevin Owens shows have we seen in the last three weeks? Zero. Zero. Triple H knew they were a fucking joke. Triple H knew that that shit was beneath Kevin Owens. So Triple H decided to send Kevin Owens out there, have him cut a great fucking promo against Drew McIntyre, and give you a starting point to where we see him now in the Triple H era about why the prize fire, why the Kevin Owens that we loved in NXT Black and Gold is now back in the WWE. That is the difference between the Triple H era and the Vince McMahon era. I love it. He knows who he is, and it made him realize that he misses that side of himself. I feel like the prize fighter again. He says he hasn't held the title in WWE for five years, but enough is enough, and it's time for a change. Throwback Owen Hartline obviously means everything to Kevin Owens. He said now he's coming after every champion. He says he doesn't care if it's Drew or Roman. Whoever walks out of Cardiff as champion, he's coming after the winner to win the Universal Heavyweight Championship. Drew said, I let you speak. I let you have your peace. He said he listened to him make stuff up to get a cheap reaction. He said he knows exactly who he is. He said he was the chosen one 15 years ago, and then he got fired. And he worked his ass off to get back to the company. He says he's worked his ass off every single day since. He says he's a two-time champion. He's beaten Brock Lesnar, Goldberg, Randy Orton, and everyone who's gotten in his path. Don't you dare look at me in the eye and pull that bullshit again, he says. Kevin Owens started to smile at him because he was getting very intense here, was Drew. Drew says it's time for them to stop talking I don't care if you're a prize fighter, a sports entertainer, a superstar. We are wrestlers, and we are in a wrestling ring. So let's wrestle. Looks like Triple H is making a statement week after week after week, and it's like you got to find it in the show, or you got to be paying attention to hear it in the show. You want a fucking statement. Kevin Owens destroying Ezekiel last week was a statement. Ricochet opening SmackDown in week one of the Triple H era against Baron Corbin and winning was a statement. Shayna Baszler becoming the number one contender for the SmackDown women's title is a statement. Karrion Cross coming back with Scarlett and having them redo all of that over again the right way was a statement. Hit Row back in WWE is a statement. Becky Lynch turning from heel to babyface is a statement. Dakota Kai coming back is a statement. Drew McIntyre out there who is one of the faces of this company, 
telling Kevin Owens, we are in a wrestling ring and we are wrestlers, so let's fucking wrestle, is a statement. And my God, is it fucking beautiful. Four weeks ago, that word is fucking sin on this show. Drew McIntyre said it three times in a span of five seconds. Awesome. Awesome, awesome, awesome. So we got this match. Now, why is this match happening? First thing in my mind, Kevin Owens can't lose here. McIntyre's got the title match against Roman Reigns at Clash of the Castle. He can't lose. McIntyre's got to win this thing, right? Triple H. The one thing that you haven't seen is a lot of DQs. DQs were happening almost every week, multiple times a week with Vince McMahon and Bruce Prichard because they didn't know how to get talent over. They didn't know how to get talent over. They failed at every fucking opportunity, man. See, when Triple H does a DQ, it makes sense. And I'm like, Jesus fucking Christ, man, Kevin Owens can't lose here. We don't need to do this now. McIntyre's got the title match. Kevin Owens is not really in anything. That clash of the castle, he can't lose. We didn't get Kevin Owens losing here. We didn't get Kevin Owens losing. Kevin Owens didn't look bad. Drew McIntyre didn't lose. He didn't look bad. We got a solid fucking match that I thought was the best match on all three hours of Raw. And the crowd was big into it. We got narratives thrown out there that both guys are professional wrestlers. We got Drew McIntyre out there on a show that he's not even a part of, claiming that he is going to do what Roman Reigns has not and show up everywhere as world champion, putting highlight and a spotlight on the world championship and how important it is to him and him being the conquering babyface potentially at Clash of the Castle. Kevin Owens is out there giving you a little bit of backstory on his narrative about why he's the prize fighter now. This entire segment was perfect. This entire segment was perfect. And the match was awesome. These guys went out there and absolutely killed it. The crowd loved every bit of it. McIntyre, he gets in there with Owens. They go to a quick commercial break. We come back from commercial break. Owens hits a frog splash off the apron that we see after the commercial break. On the outside, devastating frog splash. So after the frog splash, McIntyre fought back. Some suplexes, that overhead suplex he does, a neck breaker. Owens came back with a DDT on McIntyre. Owens tried for a Swanson bomb. McIntyre got his knees up, picked up Owens and hit a Michi Noku driver. This is our uh, also a, a common theme tonight. A lot of people hit the Michi Noku driver tonight. We got Austin Theory hitting Michi, no- Michi Noku driver. We got Piper Niven, Doe Drop hitting a Michi Noku driver against... Uh, Oscar and Alexa Bliss, we got Drew McIntyre hitting a Michinoku driver. Lots of Michinoku drivers tonight. So, he does the Michinoku driver for two. Owens responded with a cannonball, frog splash for two, followed by a swanton for a near fall. This is awesome, Chance. Now start ringing out in the crowd, and most of the front couple of rows were on their feet for this thing. Owens went to the top. McIntyre brought him down. And he put him in position on the second rope. White noise. Stealing a page out of Sheamus' playbook. White noise on Kevin Owens off the second turnbuckle. 
McIntyre headbutted Owens. Owens met him with a super kick. McIntyre clotheslined him before they both fell to the mat. They traded fists back and forth. McIntyre slipped out of a pop-up powerbomb, went behind Owens, hit a future shock DDT, which did not look all that good, but he got some of it. McIntyre set up for the Claymore, and all of a sudden, the Usos come out from the crowd, and they jump McIntyre for the DQ. So they pull McIntyre out. They beat him in the ring. McIntyre turned around, and Owens dropped him with a stunner after the DQ. Owens told the Usos, who were on the outside, you go tell your tribal chief he owes me one. Now, I don't know what that meant. I know I have been pitching for weeks now. Sami Zayn's got this little storyline where the Usos don't really consider him an Us. He's not really in the bloodline. Sami Zayn thinks he's an honorary Us, but the Usos think he's a joke. So I don't know what's happening with that little line there. You go tell your tribal chief he owes me, says Kevin Owens. I don't know if that's going to factor into what we see with Sami Zayn. Because I've pitched for weeks now, Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens versus the Usos for the undisputed tag team championships at Clash of the Castle. We need to, it needs to happen. It needs to be the match. Usos right now have no match at the pay-per-view. I don't even know if we're getting that match. Maybe Triple H is holding off on it because he wants to tell the greater story. I don't know. But I think that Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens right now teaming up. Sami Zayn was mentioned tonight for a reason. It could be just that Kevin Owens needed to tell that narrative about why he's the prize fighter, or we could see Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn go and be a tag team and take those tag team titles from both Jimmy and Jay Uso and become the new tag team champions. So it's going to be very interesting to see. That is my proposed match, and I do think that sooner rather than later we're going to get that match between those four guys. And that really is going to be the catalyst for Triple H to really change the tag team division. So I'm very much looking forward to seeing what happens on Friday with that if anything does come of it. Owens left. So after the stunner to to McIntyre, he looked good. He looked good. Kevin Owens did not lose by pinfall, which is fine. So Owens left. So the Usos took advantage of McIntyre, but he fought them off, nailed Jimmy with a Claymore kick, and McIntyre warned both of them that he was coming for Reigns on Friday. So the Usos looked like chumps Once again, they lost that non-title tag team match on Friday. Don't know why, but here we are. You know, somebody's got to lose and somebody's got to win. Somebody's look good. Somebody's got to look good and somebody's got to look bad. I wish the Usos would look a little bit better as tag team champions. Seems like more times than not, they are punching bags. I don't really look at this Uso ring as anything, you know, but mediocre. It's not impressive at all. They've lost more non-title matches than I'd really care to remember. But I do think if Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens are going to be a tag team, I think you're putting the belts on them because it only makes sense. And Kevin Owens did also mention that he hasn't won a title in five years. These things were said by design. It's all going to come into play sooner rather than later, and I think that's the match that they're going to do. Seth Rollins and Matt Riddle. This was also a very good segment here. Seth Rollins and Matt Riddle. Seth is in the middle of the ring. They showed clips of Seth giving stomps to Riddle. This dates back to SummerSlam, where he came and attacked Seth Rollins, and then he got taken out for a couple of weeks here. Everybody was like, oh, he's going to retire, he's going to retire. No. 
Matt Riddle says he was cleared tonight. How did we get there? Seth is in the ring and said Riddle is getting mic'd up in his mother's basement. So Seth Rollins using a very stereotypical IWC insult here on Monday Night Raw. I'm in my mother's basement hiding behind a green screen, right? My mother's upstairs sleeping with my dad and my brother's is and my brother's in his room playing guitar. I'm in my mom's basement, only hiding myself behind a fucking green screen and multiple green screens, says the fat slobs on Twitter. Fucking ridiculous. This green screen background costs more than their... Let me tell you something. I paid more for this green screen background than these geeks making a year. Let's see what they say about that. Seth is in the middle of the ring. And he said when he retires, he can go back to middle school and maybe finish seventh grade or start a farm. I hear that industry is very lucrative these days. Riddle interrupted from the big screen. He says he does have a medical update about his condition. Seth told the fans, shh, let's be respectful. Let Riddle speak. Let Riddle speak. Riddle says, I'm medically cleared. And next time I see you, it's on. So we got this now potentially happening at Clash of the Castle. Seth asked if, if it'll be like at MSG a few weeks ago or when he called him out at SummerSlam. He said it seems whenever they're in each other's vicinity, he stomps his head into the mat. He says he always has a step ahead or he's a step ahead of Riddle every single time. He says he would love nothing more than to stomp the last few brain cells that fell out of his head. Riddle says he's glad he feels that way. He stood up, revealed that he was actually in Washington, D.C. in front of a green screen or a background or a backdrop. Had a little lava lamp there. They really set it up like he was uh, about to have some extracurricular activity time. And he ran through Gorilla and ran out there and they brawled inside the arena. So they were brawling around ringside. He was wearing his 420 bro shirts. He went after Seth and a bunch of kicks. Overhead release suplex. Seth yanked Riddle off the apron. Seth threw Riddle over the announce desk again, which was another common theme on this show tonight. Seth tried to hit Riddle with another stomp on the announce desk, but Riddle moved and shoved Seth down, delivered his knee to the head, and Seth flew into the crowd. Riddle chased Seth up the stairs, and that was pretty much the way the segment ended. So we got this match potentially happening at Clash of the Castle, and I'm very much looking forward to this, man. We got three weeks of build here. We got this now with Riddle back. We got two weeks left to go before Clash. Riddle and Rollins is going to kill it. And Matt Riddle, I don't know if you guys have sensed a difference in Matt Riddle. Matt Riddle sounds a little bit more intense. Yes, this is, you know, a personal feud, and he's not there with Randy Orton and making jokes about 420 and, you know, yes, we know Matt Riddle smokes. It seems like Bruce Pritchard never could get a fucking uh, point across without make, mentioning that Matt Riddle likes to smoke. Yeah, we get it. He likes extracurricular activities. I get it, Bruce. I, I, you're really creative with that one. But Matt Riddle seems like he's a little bit more intense here. He's not joking around. If this was Vince, he'd be joking around. You know, he'd be mentioning his best bro, Randy, and mentioning his fucking Uncle Snake and whatever the fuck else he was talking about. His fucking pet goldfish riding around on a scooter like a fucking geek. He's out there, personal feud with Rollins, and it's intense. There's no smiles, there's no jokes, there's no 420 jokes, there's no scooters, there's no snakes. 
There's no RK, bro. It's Matt fucking Riddle, who is a legit badass at the end of the day. The differences between Triple H and Vince McMahon, watch for them. They are very, very blatant. And it's great. A breath of fresh air on this show. Moving on. We got Veer Mahan on the show. Veer Mahan is back. Veer Mahan versus a jobber. This went three minutes and three minutes too long. This guy got his ass beat. He tried to get the best of Veer here. Even gave him a dropkick. But Veer beat the shit out of him. Choked him against the ringside table. And I love Graves. You know, the ringside commentary table was a hot spot tonight. A lot of fucking action by the ringside commentary table. Corey Graves said during this match, you know, I'm going to start renting out the top of our commentary table and and pretend it's an Airbnb. There's so much action over here. So, Veer finished him off inside the ring with that big, uh, that big clubbing stinger-like splash, that body check he does, and then the cervical clutch for an instant tap out. It's good to see Veer on the show. It's good to see Veer on the show. Uh, I don't know why we're going back and doing squash matches with Veer Mahan. This is what I don't really get. The one thing I thought about was, all right, we're getting a squash match. I mean, this guy wrestled Rey Mysterio. This was his only feud. The feud sucked, but he wrestled Rey Mysterio. And now they're back doing squash matches for Veer Mahan. WWE's touring. I'm, I'm assuming Veer is on the road. I'm assuming Veer is getting his reps in and getting his work in the ring done. He's getting better every week, right? I think us collectively, and I think WWE collectively, is well beyond the Veer squash matches. We don't need to be squashing jobbers, local enhancement talent, for Veer anymore. Now, I get why they, why they want to do it, but at the same time, I don't. I think we're well beyond that, but... The one thing I was thinking, maybe Triple H is waiting. And maybe Triple H is kind of telling everybody, you know, the last time we saw Veer, this guy was uh, acting like a clown in front of Sarah Schreiber. I don't know what he did. He did, uh, uh, he was like interrupting an interview segment with The Miz, I believe. And then he did boogity boogity boo, or whatever the fuck he did. I don't know what the fuck he was doing. Acting like a complete comedy clown was Veer. So now he's out there squashing local enhancement talent, and it looks like Triple H may be hitting a hard reset button on Veer and then kind of present Veer in the way that Triple H wants to present Veer. But like I said, it all goes back to what I said in the beginning. I think we're over this enhancement talent shit with him. So we'll see what happens. There's a lot going on on the show right now, and I honestly think that Triple H is trying to find a groove with Veer and put him in something that makes sense. Oogity-boogity-boo. Veer. Like he's got a crush on Sarah Schreiber. Yeah, she's an attractive woman. But Jesus fucking Christ, man. Veer? I would expect that out of fucking uh, R-Truth. Not Veer. Moving on. Speaking of Schreiber. She interviewed Dakota Kai. She was with Bailey and EO Sky backstage. She asked, about, or she asked about Kai's first singles match on Raw. And she said, uh, how do you feel about your first singles match? Kai said, spoiler alert, I'll win. 
Bailey then translated Sky, who spoke in Japanese. She basically said, Sky says, we vow to win the tag team titles. So they walked over to uh, Dana Brooke, who apparently got lost. She got lost. She didn't know where catering was. Does somebody want to fucking guide Dana back to catering? She walked over to Dana Catering, who was carrying her 24-7 clown title. She said that if they're trying to intimidate her, she's not afraid. Kai said fear is a motivator, so maybe she should be scared. Triple H, listen, bro, Paul, listen, let me talk to you. Let me talk to you, bro. Uh, What are we doing? What are we doing with the 24-7 title? Why isn't it in the trash can that was burning tonight that was put out with the fire extinguisher by the WWE officials earlier in the show? Burn the fucking title. It's hideous. It's a waste of time. It's a joke. And I love, can you please burn the title? Burn the fucking title. And I want you to film Bruce Pritchard's reaction to it. Seriously. That's what I want. Can we get that maybe? Can we get that to go viral online? I'd love to see it. Get it out. Get it out. No more. No more, no more. Not needed. Moving on. We got Bobby Lashley. United States title match against AJ Styles. This was awesome. I preferred this Champa match, but this was awesome. It's nice to see AJ Styles in something meaningful on this show. This almost went 22 minutes. 22 minutes on this show. So, they had a great match. Picking up here with uh, Styles and them leading to a commercial break. He hit a sliding knee and a forearm to Bobby Lashley. Lashley threw Styles around ringside after the commercial break. He was back in control. Styles took it to Bobby Lashley, mounting him with some offense, selling his back. Lashley dropped him with a devastating spine buster. Lashley whipped Styles hard into the turnbuckles, not once but twice. Miz and Champa all of a sudden casually walk out to ringside as Lashley was looking at them. He was briefly distracted. Lashley knocked Styles off the ring apron. Champa distracted Lashley so Miz could go after Styles, but before he could do anything, All of a sudden, we see this commotion again behind the commentary table. Dexter Loomis, who's in a black hooded sweatshirt, is trying to jump the barricade. The announcers are scrambling away. He's halfway over the barricade. These security guards and officials stop him. He's like got one fucking leg over the the barricade. Styles is down. Lashley's looking at him. Champing the Miz are looking at what the fuck is going on. Crazy. So they escort him out of the building once again. Now, Jimmy Smith did mention Dexter Loomis by name, and Corey Graves immediately put an end to that. Corey Graves is like, Jimmy, no, 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 no. no. Don't even mention his name. Don't even mention his name. He's not important. Get him the fuck out of here. Corey Graves immediately dumbed down the situation when Jimmy Smith mentioned Dexter Loomis. They didn't want nothing said about Dexter Loomis on commentary, they are actually giving you the narrative of he's an outsider. He's an outsider. He doesn't belong here. He doesn't work here. He's now just causing trouble for the sake of causing trouble. He does not go here. So I love that aspect of it. Nobody's mentioned that he's got a WWE contract. Nobody's mentioned anything about him working there. He's 
an outsider here. And Corey Graves really got that point across on television, which I thought was a great touch to the overall storyline here with Dexter Loomis. So Dexter Loomis is being tackled on the outside. They take him away. We go to another commercial break. Bobby Lashley speared the Miz. This was the safest looking spear I have ever seen. Lashley barely grazed the Miz. Is it like in the Miz's contract to not take wrestling maneuvers? The safest spear I've ever seen from Bobby Lashley. A man like Bobby Lashley should not be delivering safe-looking spears. So we got the spear. Lashley speared the Miz before the referee tossed Miz and Champa from ringside. Get out of here. Styles fought back in a forearm. Not really a phenomenal forearm, but a forearm nonetheless. But Lashley kicked out, followed with a running power slam on Styles. He goes for a cover, gets a two count. Styles came back with a rack bomb. Did not look good. Did not look good. He gets him on his shoulders, tries to spin him up. Styles is uh, showing his strength here, but Bobby Lashley's too big of a guy for AJ Styles. It did not look good. The rack bomb did not look good. Lashley hit a dominator for a cover, a two count. Lashley then drove Styles into the post and went for a spear in the ring, but Styles countered into a calf crusher. Lashley countered the calf crusher into a hurt lock, and this was from the ground, which looked great. Styles reversed it into a pinning attempt. Lashley ducked a phenomenal forearm. AJ Styles rolls through. Spear by Styles for the win. One, two, three. Very good match. And the Champa and Miz distraction with the Dexter Loomis situation all played into the overall story that they're trying to tell here. So Champa and Miz tried to ruin it for Styles. Dexter Loomis is out there trying to go after AJ Styles, I presume. Does anybody know if they had anything going on in Impact? I know Dexter Loomis was Sam Shaw on TNA. Did he and AJ Styles have anything to do with the... I don't want... <laughs> Impact! Nobody watches Impact, man. You guys expect me to watch Impact now. Give me a break, man. Come on. Nobody watches that shit. Impact! <laughs> Tell me, man. Tell me, does, does Sam Shaw have any history with AJ Styles? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe they're maybe they're going back into the vault here. I don't know. But it's interesting. Interesting nonetheless. We got week two of Dexter Loomis trying to be a stalker on Monday Night Raw. Dana Brooke. Dana Brooke. Oh, joy. Dana Brooke's on Monday Night Raw, man. Give me a break. Dakota Kai wins in two minutes. Brooke got some weak-looking offense on Kai. Relatively easy win for Kai here. Running Huluva kick in the corner. One, two, three. Goodbye. Get her off TV. Burn the fucking title. Burn it. Get rid of it. Next week on Raw. Love how Triple H is taking the NXT approach. He's booking in advance. We got Edge versus Damian Priest. And we got Alexa Bliss and Asuka versus Kai and Sky in the tag team title tournament. There you go. Should be a good show next week, man. I'm expecting to have a very important Monday Night Raw next week. Toronto's going to be lit. And then in the main event, we got Austin Theory and Dolph Ziggler 
And this wasn't bad. Now, listen, man, Dolph Ziggler's a very good pro wrestler. I just don't know who gives a shit about Dolph Ziggler. So, Dolph, in theory, had a very good main event, 14 minutes or so. So, we'll pick it up right before the commercial break. Theory threw Ziggler hard into the ring post, shoulder first. Now, this is a continuation from what Vince McMahon was trying to tell. All of a sudden, Dolph Ziggler was showing up in front of Austin Theory and interfering in his matches, and it went nowhere. Then Vince tried to put uh, Dolph Ziggler and AJ Styles in a tag team, and it kind of went away for a little bit because Austin Theory had to take personal time for the passing of his uncle. Now he's back, and now we're continuing. It wasn't ever going to be a pay-per-view match, but they got what they needed to get across done here in the main event, and Austin Theory got a win. So... Theory threw Ziggler into the ring post, shoulder first. Ziggler sold it like he fucking usually does everything else. Theory stood over him. Uh, Ziggler started to uh, make a comeback after uh, Theory would have rather taunted him. So both men were down, slow to get up. They go to uh, a shot in the crowd showing how everything, you know, it looked like a sold-out crowd tonight. Looks like a sold-out crowd. Triple H is known for these wide stadium shots. He wants everybody to see how uh, lively Monday Night Raw has become. All done by design. I put that in my notes. So, Ziggler stood up. He went for a super kick. Theory blocked the super kick. Ziggler caught Theory, who was charging in with an elbow. Theory lifted Ziggler into a, it looked like a body vice, or I don't know what it was, but it looked like he spinned them around and a sit-out powerbomb for a near fall. Theory rolled to the ring apron, played to the crowd a little bit, taunting them in D.C., rolled into the ring at Ziggler with his dropkick. Ziggler turned it into a Famouser, which looked great. That rolling dropkick turned into a Famouser looked great. Theory blocked a zigzag, then hit Ziggler with a lariat. Ziggler was uh, on the mat as Ziri was signaling for his A-Town down finish. Ziggler elbowed out of his finisher. Hit a zigzag anyway, went for a near fall, got a two and a half. So Theory went for a pin with his feet on the middle rope, trying to get a leverage pin in sheets. Referee caught him. So Theory blocks Ziggler's uh, famous attempt again, hits his A-town down finish for the clean win. And that was the way the show went off the air. So Graves called this a youth movement and a big win for Austin Theory as he takes the momentum into Clash of the Castle with the money in the bank. Briefcase Theory was taking selfies all over the place, and that's the way the show went off the air. No surprise return, no big ending, nothing. Nothing. It was basically the youth of WWE getting a much-needed victory in the main event because Theory hasn't won a match with the money in the bank briefcase. Vince, I say this every fucking time, every year. Vince thinks if you win the briefcase that you are okay to lose matches. And that's not the right way to go about it. Because normally, you know, fans attribute losing to you you being unimportant. How can anybody take him to be a world champion or a serious world champion if he's lost every fucking match before he cashes in, potentially becoming the world champion? You want to have that man have momentum. And then cash in and win matches before he cashes in. So people look at him as a winner and not as a loser. Never understood the idea. Never understood the concept. But that's what Vince McMahon thought. 
So Triple H put him in the main event, got him a big victory over Dolph Ziggler, a veteran of 15-plus years. And that was it. Like I said before, I don't know why this match was in the main event. I would have flip-flopped this and Bobby Lashley, AJ Styles. It all happened in the last hour. Bobby Lashley and AJ Styles went right on at 10 o'clock. The only thing I could possibly think of is the fact that Better Call Saul's series finale took place right then, and they wanted a a bleed-in. Hey, we're going to watch this, and then go flip back over to Monday Night Raw. Oh, Bobby Lashley versus AJ Styles. We didn't miss the main event. We didn't miss the biggest match of the night. Oh, look, Monday Night Raw is exciting. I wonder what's going on. They wanted to keep keep you for the majority of that third hour. So that's what I think. If they flip-flopped them, I think people would have perceived this show to be a little bit better instead of getting that lame letdown of an ending with Austin Theory winning and nothing else. Now, if you did Theory and Ziggler at the 10 o'clock spot and flipped the matches, people probably would have tuned out. Ah, fuck Dolph Ziggler. Who's Dolph Ziggler? I don't give a fuck about Dolph Ziggler. Who's Austin Theory? I don't give a shit about Austin Theory. So that's why they did that match in that spot. That's just my personal take on it. Whether that's right or not, I don't know. I'm just throwing shit at the wall. But the ending felt lame to what I thought was a very good uh, a very good show. Lots to like on this show. It wasn't the greatest show ever. It was a very good three-hour Monday Night Raw with a lot of great wrestling. Dexter Loomis was there. We got that mystery hand backstage, who I'm assuming was Dexter Loomis, right? We got Kevin Owens and Drew McIntyre. Tremendous promo and tremendous match. Maybe a future glimpse into what Kevin Owens is going to be doing. Nice little narrative there. Women's Tag Team Title Tournament next week, semifinal. We got Damian Priest in the Judgment Day, targeting Edge next week in Toronto. Things are progressing. Things are making sense on the show. Was it overly exciting like the last two weeks? No. But it was still a good show. I'm not sitting here telling you it was a bad show. I'm just thinking that if they did the switch, it might have come off a little bit better instead of going home with theory and then nothing else. That is your Monday Night Raw post show, guys. Hopefully you enjoyed my take on Monday Night Raw tonight. We're going to get into the Super Chats right now. We hit 1,000 likes. I appreciate you guys very much for that. We still got 2,700 people in here, man. Can we get Can we get 1,500 likes? Is that a possibility? If you guys are still here and have not hit the thumbs up, man, please do so. It's free. And it helps me out tremendously. And we are about 40 subscribers away from 136,000 subscribers. So if you guys have not hit the subscribe button, if you're watching and you're new around here, hit that thumbs up and that subscribe button. Tonight's show is sponsored by Blue Chew. BlueChew.com. Guys, the summer's almost over, man. I don't know what the fuck you're waiting for. I really don't. That summer heat, man, it's going to turn into the crispness of the fall air. But that summer heat is still alive and well, man. I want you to take that summer heat into the bedroom. Confidence, something I have, so I'm the best at what I do. But confidence can take you far in life, man, and that includes when that opportunity arises in the bedroom. That's where Blue Chew comes into play, man. Blue Chew is a unique online service 
that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but it comes in a chewable tablet. You can take them anytime, day or night. Plan ahead and be ready when that opportunity does arise. It's all very simple, though. You guys are wondering, how does this work? J.D., it's confusing to me. No, it's not. It's very simple. You sign up at BlueChew.com. You consult with one of their online medical providers. And once you guys are approved, you're going to receive your prescription within days. And the best part, it's all done online. No visits to the doctor's office, no waiting in line, no awkward conversations. That's it. They're made in the USA, and they deliver right to your door in a very discreet package. Nobody knows what's going on. You know, talk about first impressions, man. Triple H made the best first impression coming out of the Vince McMahon era. And I am pretty sure he's going to make a lasting impression. That same concept, I want you to apply with Blue Chew, man. First impressions, got it. Lasting impressions, it's going to happen. So if you guys can benefit from that extra confidence when it's time to perform, why not give Blue Chew a try? Everybody listening, man, you can sign up for free. BlueChew.com, code JD at checkout. All you have to do is pay the $5 shipping and handling. BlueChew.com, promo code JD. I want to thank them for being such a great friend of Off the Scripts. Let's get into the Super Chats, guys. Going to start at the top. We got Tony Brown of the 499 Super Chat. He says, Booty Meat, JD. Yes, sir. We got Booty Meat tonight, Tony Brown. We got Bailey. We got EO Sky. We got Alexa. We got Bianca out there, right? But Wednesday night, Tony Brown, is the main event for Booty Meat. You know it, I know it, everybody knows it. Everybody knows it, bro. D-Best Arno with a $5 Super Chat. I make up on Rousey, Shayna, Viking Raiders. To use your words, it's ridiculous. Supposed to be badasses. Never seen in UFC and NXT black and gold. You know, Best Auto, I haven't really even noticed, bro. Shayna's always wore eyeliner or eye makeup. And Ronda's always wore it. Also, with the $2 Super Chat Bestardo, Michaels changed Devlin to J.D. McDonough. Yeah, okay, Sean. Yeah, that's a, that's a bullshit statement. Sean Michaels is not running NXT. NXT is still being run by Bruce Pritchard. $2 Super Chat, best thing on Raw tonight was Drew and Owens from Michelle Moran. Michelle, yes, I absolutely agree. Absolutely agree. Sid Draw with a $5 super chat. Got another funny one for you, JD. What do you call it when Batman skips church? Christian Bale. Hashtag longtime fan. Hashtag OTS for life. Sid Draw. I like that one. Angel Alaga becomes a member to the VIP club for eight months. Angel, thank you so much, brother. Hi, JD. So good to have Raw. So much better than under Triple H. Now, hopefully in the near future, NXT 2.0 can become watchable. I'll be live tomorrow night, man. NXT's got that heat wave show. Lots of big matches. And we could see uh, really a changing of the guard in NXT tomorrow night. 
Santos Escobar and Carmelo Hayes are rumored to be called up to the main roster. So we'll see what happens. Matthew Malnar with a 999 Super Chat. Ziggler and Theory build to a possible Wyatt return. No. I think the mysterious hand was a subtle tease that we see him targeting Theory's cash-in attempt or to get Roman in some way, shape, or form. You know, that narrative is going to be thrown out there, Matthew. I, I, I don't think that's the case. I think that hand was more likely Dexter Loomis wearing a black glove. Johnny Angel with a 999 Super Chat. What's up, JD? It used to annoy me, kinda, when fans in WCW would throw stuff in the ring. Also, do you remember watching the very first episode of Raw back in 1993? Also, do you prefer veal parm or chicken? Uh, Johnny Angel, I do not eat. I, I do not eat veal parmesan. Chicken parmesan is one of my favorite meals. I think the best chicken parmesan I've ever had was at two places, man. Um, Il Molino. They make it so fucking thin, man. It is delicious. And the bone is still in it. They pound the shit out of it. It's fucking unbelievable. And this place in Atlantic City called Chef Volas. Two of the best chicken parmesans I've ever had. I loved it when the fans threw stuff in the ring, man. It really gave it uh, an archaic feel to it. Nothing better than fans that are that emotional, man, over pro wrestling. Jaxo23 becomes a new member. Jaxo, thank you so much for becoming a VIP tonight, man. What are you drinking, brother? Demarcus Vaughn with a $2 super chat. EO Sky versus Asuka would be a great match. It would, and we will see it when the time is right. Captain Solo with a $5 Super Chat. Any chance Triple H makes an attempt to bring Nash Carter back or Braun Strowman back? I would love to see Nash Carter back, man. I've been saying this for weeks. Bring Nash Carter back. Get MSK back together. Call them up to the main roster. Deshaun Peace with a $4.99 Super Chat. Besides the dull main event, Raw was a good show tonight. I can't believe KO said it's been five years since he's been world champion. I, I don't know, man. It's crazy. It's crazy. Kevin Owens not a champion in the last five years. It's criminal. World of Wrestling with a $2 Super Chat. Raw was good. No wasted segments. No? I thought Raw was a good show tonight. Deshaun Peace with the 199 Super Chat. Finn looks so badass with the suit. Looks legit. Yeah, he looks good, man. All the members of Judgment Day look good. $2 Super Chat from The Cake. Nice to see The Cake back. Haven't seen him in a while. Thoughts on ALP helping Cross versus the Bloodline? I mean, I could see it. Do we really want ALP back, though? That's the question. Do we want AOP back? Trent D-Rage with a new membership. Or Drage. However you pronounce it. Trent, what are you drinking tonight, brother? Jabril Mohammed with a 499 Super Chat. Who's your favorite professional wrestler ever and why? 
Hard question, I know. If you can't answer it, give me top three. The Undertaker and Shawn Michaels, bro. Number one and two in no particular order. Why? I mean, it's very simple to figure out why, man. Just look at them. Greatest character in the history of WWE and maybe the best professional wrestler of all time is Shawn Michaels. Joshua Taylor with a 499 Super Chat. Thank you, JD. As always, you are a real one. I appreciate that, brother. Thank you. Ernie Vasquez with a 199 Super Chat. Could Loomis and Bray be connected in a storyline? Guys, I'm, I'm going to need you to stop thinking about Bray Wyatt. Just let it happen. Seriously. He will be back. When and where, I don't know, but he will be back. And Jaxo23 with a $5 Super Chat. Drew and KO was the best thing on this show and also been a fan of the show. Keep up the good work. I can't wait for when Dexter Loomis gets to AJ. I can't wait either, bro. It should be awesome. They're really making Dexter Loomis out to be a, uh, a threat here. I love it. Guys, that's all I got, man. Slow night tonight. We got a lot accomplished tonight. I felt good. Show was good. We broke this thing down like nobody's business. Like nobody can in the IWC, man. Love it. Absolutely love it, man. Jesse, listen, bro. Uh, I'm going to need to... Uh, I'm going to need you to uh, clean up the mess, bro. Seriously. We got a big show coming up on Wednesday, man. Kenny Omega's uh, showing up on Wednesday. Now, why are you still complaining about the fucking taco truck, man? Thunder Rose is making a fucking killing out there, man. Maybe if you were actually a good co-host, I'd get your fucking taco truck, you fucking asshole. This fucking guy. I gotta get away from him. Ridiculous. Never shuts up. Anyway, guys, um, thank you for everything tonight, guys. This week, we'll be at uh, 136,000 subscribers, man. Thank you so very much. Follow me on Twitter, at JD from NY206. It's Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Cameo. Links are in the description. Go check out Blue Chew. BlueChew.com, code JD, at checkout. And go check out today's extra major rant on Gunther. If you guys missed any of that. And OTS 440, man, tons of stuff, man. We had a blast on last night's live stream. I'll be back tomorrow night for NXT Heat Wave. Big show tomorrow night. Possible main roster implications. And until then, guys, I need those guitar emojis in the chat. My VIPs, I need those Mustang emojis in the chat. And I need that music on max. Guys, I'll see you tomorrow night from the beer garden. NXT Heat Wave tomorrow night. On Off The Script. See you guys later.